0: anyone is a leader on your team sometimes just uh, allowing that individual contributor that you know through your one-on-ones wants to get some leadership experience let them lead the next you know team sync let them lead the next project update
1: howdy y'all and welcome to the cyber ranch podcast with me today are two folks who are passionate about leadership not just practicing good leadership but instilling good leadership in others Joey Rashid is CISO in the e-commerce and financial services industry. He's on advisory boards. He's worked for the Big Four and, more importantly, is a former U.S. Marine, although all the Marines will tell you there's no such thing as a former Marine. Scott Mosier is SVP and CISO at Sabre Corporation. He's also been a CISO for Caesars, the gaming and hospitality company, and has held some very interesting military roles of his own. In a joint branches capacity, he's been a CIO in Alaska. For the U.S. Air Force, he was a commander and an IT director all over the world. He has worked for the Joint Staff in D.C. as well as a branch chief. These guys know what they're talking about when it comes to leadership. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us here at the Ranch. Thank you
0: for having us. It's
1: a pleasure to be here today, Alan. Welcome to the Cyber Ranch
0: Podcast, recorded under the big blue skies of Texas where one CISO explores the cybersecurity landscape with the help of friends and experts.
1: Here's your host, Alan Alford, president and CISO at Alan Alford Consulting. The topic today is leadership, and it's not just leadership, which a lot of us talk about, but it's how to foster leadership in those who report to us. In other words, how to create leadership culture, how to foster leadership in others. We're going to dive into this one. So I'm going to bring up my first question, um, because both you guys are veterans, right? Whenever the topic of leadership comes up, I love talking to veterans, and I've learned talking to veterans that that, that those who have served have a very unique take on leadership, and I think there's a lot of folks who have a stereotype about leadership in the, in the military, that it's about barking orders that have to be obeyed, following orders is done without choice, and what I've learned from my veteran friends is that it's actually quite opposite that, that it's actually... Um, A much more nuanced world. So in the military, lives depend upon decisions, and it's not something that we have to think about here in the civilian world. So so Scott, I'll start with you. What to you makes military leadership special?
2: As I think back upon uh, my early days in uh, Air Force ROTC or Reserve Officer Training Corps, I remember a definition that was given to us, and it's that leadership is the art of inspiring people to accomplish the missions, the mission or goals or objectives of the organization. And so military focuses on formally training their people to be leaders. And they do that both through education and through practical programs. Um, so it's it's a lot of hands-on learning. And finally, um, a lot of military leaders will actually see leadership as their primary function. It's not, it's not some functional area that we may talk about in the business world, but they are primarily first and foremost leaders before they are accountants or commercial sales or IT or something like that.
0: Yeah, I I couldn't agree with uh, Scott more. Uh, What I'll add to that is um, having served as a Marine, to Scott's point, you know, we're trained leadership from day one in boot camp. And, uh, you know, to Scott's point, you know, it's being a leader first, uh, serving one another, and uh, that, uh, that, Team camaraderie, that team spirit. And I think that's the other aspect that I'd like to add is that the thing that's great about the military is that we foster this team spirit, this um, sense of belonging. This, we all understand the mission that we've signed up for. And so when I think about how that translates into corporate America and, and, and how I try to cultivate and foster teams, I want to make sure that our people. Uh, have a sense of unity and commitment towards achieving a common goal. they understand what their role is within our team. they understand our strategy they understand what they do every day matters and how that contributes to the common goal and that 's what I learned in the military that that I think is so excellent uh, that we can take to the corporate world is to make sure that our folks feel that sense of belonging right that sense of that sense of mission and uh, and so that 's what I would add to it.
1: Mission is such a great word for me as a leader. Like I always tell my teams, mission first, team second, customers third, boss last. <laughs> you know, exactly. like, like mission has to be first. Like we're all in this together. And if people can all rally on the mission, then team naturally, to a certain extent, to me, takes care of itself. And, and, and there's a lot less care and feeding of the team if the team has already rallied on the mission. To, to me, mission has to be first. I think that's a, it's a huge one. But, but that's me. I'm, I'm here to interview you guys. So guiding principles. What are some good guiding principles of leadership here and Joey we'll go ahead and let you keep going.
0: Okay, yeah, thank you. Um I have I think four that I would like to 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 cover. Okay. Uh the first one is I'm really big on leaders having core values. Yeah. Uh, what is that what is that north star that you rise and sleep to that you know that um like this is my character. This is what people can know me by and um no matter what that's what you know i can be depended upon um so i encourage leaders to really reflect upon their experiences both their upbringing their experiences at work and, and what does that mean for you uh, you know i was in the marine corps Our core values were honor courage commitment i kind of like the ring of the the three it's simple and so my core values or are, are, um i call them my hit they're honesty integrity and transparency And no matter what I do as a leader, I try to make sure that I align to those three. And I feel like my team can depend on me to be um, true to those items. A second one for me is, um, you know, treat your team members how they want to be treated, not how you want to be treated. And that requires us to get to know our team members. What makes them tick? What motivates them? Um, How often do they want to have one-on-ones? Uh, Some people are more hands-on or want more, uh, you know, frequent uh, touch bases and some don't. Um, And so, you know, really get to know your team and treat them how they want to be treated. Uh, Third is be a decisive leader. I think, um, you know, not making decisions uh, can be detrimental to a, a leader's credibility. And I like this saying out there, good decisions made at the right time are better decisions are better than decisions made too late, right? So, and fourth, uh, do what you do what you say you're going to do. Be a dependable leader. Um, you know, not having credibility uh, really erodes at your ability to formulate trust with your team.
1: I like that. I like that a lot. So, guiding principles for you, Scott. I, I think
2: Joey did a really great job at talking about them, and I want to um, sort of reemphasize something that that he talked about and. As I think about it, um, I look at leadership as really a triad between the leader, the follower, and the situation. And as jo- Joey pointed out, everybody is different. We're all motivated in different ways. Some people will come to work because they like the pay. Some people will come because the challenges just excites them. And others like the, you know, the feeling of success and want to be congratulated in feedback. And so it's very important for the leader to understand each follower, as Joey pointed out. And to adapt to that according to the situation that they're going through. And so that's, that's really a challenge. And I think the most successful leaders are the ones that are able to do that um, the most. And you do that in your everyday life. It's not something that um, is uh, you know, formal or stoic, but it, it's just in how you interact with people, how you hold meetings, um, how you give feedback sessions, how you congratulate and reward them. Leadership happens in every part of our daily lives.
1: Yeah, I like that. Some some people want to be praised publicly, some are terrified by the public praise. Uh some don't need the pat on the back at all, right? Some 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 get a little resentful when you give them a pat on the back. Like like well, I already knew I was doing a good job. I've, I you know, I've run into all types. And there's something else Joey said that I liked. Um about the decisions, and and it's not one of the guiding principles you named, but I think it was kind of alluded to a little bit when you said good decisions are now are better than, you know, later decisions. Um, Bias towards action. I I think there's a certain amount of that represented in those guiding principles for good leadership too. I, I think a bias towards action because, and that ties into that decisiveness thing you talked about as well, right? Like the leader who's like, well, you know, we could, yeah, we'll have another meeting, and eight meetings later nothing's been done. Pretty soon the room is scattered not following you. But, but there's another thing I wanted, to, I wanted to mention in all this, too, because both of you have mentioned this now about the relationship between leaders and followers and talking about the obligations that the leaders have. In my mind, there is such a thing as good and bad followership. And I think good followership includes a lot of self-awareness. And and some of the best things you can do with your leader as the person who's being led is to give them honest feedback about those kinds of things. Like, oh, I hate public praise. I love this. I love that. You know, let me know when I'm doing well this way and that way. And here's what I'm in the game for. And proactively let your leader know those things. I think I think good followership makes good leadership easier, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the, the key points I've also thought about that is a good follower works their boss's problems. They don't work necessarily their own priorities always, but they will absolutely yes. work yes. their boss's priorities.
1: I love that. Leadership has to be encouraged in others as well, right? A good leader is not just thumping their chest and being the good leader. You, you can be a fantastic leader all by yourself in a vacuum with a group of people following you and still not be a good leader because you didn't encourage and inspire leadership in them as well, right? Like it can't be done in a vacuum. Um, so, so in my mind, we want to we want to encourage folks. We want to elevate folks. We want to give others opportunities to learn. We want to talk about uh, not just formal opportunities, but even those moments. Like you said, you know, Scott, I think you were the one who just said it was you know every day, everything you do. There's a little bit of leadership to it. So, how does that translate to encouraging and inspiring leadership in them and others around you?
2: Yeah, and and I do really believe that it, it begins with displaying the desired skills and characteristics in our own behaviors. Uh, behaving in a, a level-headed manner, if we want others to do so, I call it the the shadow of the leader. Um, we as leaders are watched every minute of every day. People see our emotions. They know when we're upset. They know when we're happy. They draw energy off of us, and so that shadow of the leader is so very important. Secondly, I think we can just formally talk about it. We can talk about different leadership styles and methods, and even the challenges that we have. And and through that transparency in our own struggles and challenges to be good leaders, the people that we're teaching can learn from that and they can contribute and guide and talk and learn. And so I think that's sort of the interactive portion. And again, it's not necessarily formal in nature, but it's really sort of informal between the leader and the follower. And then finally, I we already sort of talked about it, providing that feedback to people on hey, I saw how you were uh, talking um, to in your staff meeting, and maybe you can use this technique and do a little bit better. And so you can provide that feedback to your folks to help them learn and give people chances to learn. And we have to remember, I'll, sometimes the best learning comes through failures that
1: where we learn the most. Yep. I think my learnings, my best learnings have all come from doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I can attest to that one personally. <laughs> So, uh, so Joey, how about, how about anything from you, um, fostering leadership and others, formal, informal methods. What do you have for us?
0: Yeah, I really like what Scott said. And and I'd say, uh, in the Marines, we learned this, the saying, you know, um, leadership by example and everything Scott said, I agree with what I would like to touch on is the way I like to, um, exhibit that. And that's through one-on-ones with my direct reports and, um, what I call skip levels, uh, my direct, direct reports. And what I want to say is, is um, I have a view that my one-on-ones are about 10 to 20% about talking about work. And then the 80% is really talking about just like people stuff, like getting to know one another, being transparent and being vulnerable with your staff, um, getting to know your people, what, what's going on in their life. Is there anything going on at home or with their kids that Um, they're willing to share. And sometimes that means that you as the leader have to be the first one to be vulnerable and to share. Um, you know, for example, oh man, you know, the other day I was giving an update to the board and I really, you know, tripped over my words. And, you know, that's really powerful because it shows your team that like you're human, you make mistakes and you're willing to share those mistakes. And then that invites them and gives them the permission to do the same thing. Um, another thing is, is, leaders would would would, would, um, would be amazed at the reaction that they get from their team when they hear a tidbit of information, you know, something about their kid, maybe uh, playing a soccer game or something going on. And then the next time they meet with them, they follow up on that. Or the next week during Slack, they send a message and say, hey, you know, how did your kid's soccer game go this weekend? It is such a powerful thing to Number one, listen, right, when you're having your one-on-ones and then follow up and make that connection. And so everything that Scott said is how do you do that? You do it through, I think, meaningful conversations, meaningful one-on-ones and building that relationship, which then builds trust.
1: Let's pause right there for a quick commercial from TrustMap. I just want to say about these guys, I know their product is sound. I helped design it myself. Is your cybersecurity team buried in spreadsheets? TrustMap provides the data, insights, and tools you need to make informed decisions about your cybersecurity strategy while reducing manual effort by up to 70%. Get your free board reporting toolkit and schedule a demo at trustmap.com today. That's T R U S T M A P P.com. So I'm also thinking both of you guys are going to agree. Um, one of my tenants is. Um, Annual reviews should not be annual. Quarterly reviews should not be quarterly, and there should be no surprises. I think both of y'all are is smiling right now. Um, this idea that feedback should be real time—that that it should be delivered, you know, as it as it progresses and as things are happening. And Scott, you know, to your point, oh hey, the way you presented it, staff, you could have done this a little, a little of that and a little of that, and you know, and and if you can deliver the feedback that softly on a one by one little basis, it's never a harsh thing, right? I mean, I suppose every now and again you might have a one-off instance that does require harsh feedback, but for the most part, you avoid the harshness because you're not stacking it on, right? So it's not just the no surprises rule. To me, it's also more palatable. I think it's easier for folks to receive feedback if it's done real time.
0: 100% agree, and that's where you know you you cultivate that space during your one-on-ones or even ad hoc meetings where you can provide that feedback. And I found that you know, and you have to learn your people and know how to provide that feedback in a meaningful way, but they appreciate it real time instead of every six months when it's like, well, if I would have known that six months ago, I could have improved upon that. And I just think like, that's the way I, I like it too. i imagine Scott, you're the same way. And in the military, you get real time feedback. (laughs) And so we're, maybe we're used to it. I don't know.
1: No, I think, I think the corporate world too often shoves it into that annual review bucket. And then you're sitting there across from an employee and you're telling them something negative about themselves and their eyes bug out because they had no clue and you realize I have just failed this person as a leader. It's it's not a good it's not a good setup for the leader and I every time they tell me it's annual I tell my team we're meeting far more often than that, you know? It's just whatever the official rules are, we're going to on my team do it more frequently. Uh, they say quarterly, I'm doing monthly. They say, you know, they say monthly, I'm doing weekly like <laughs> I'm staying ahead of whatever the official official cycle is. So how about skills development? Um we'll we'll start Scott we'll start with you on this one. Um how do we develop leadership skills uh, in ourselves and in our teams? The actual skills, like where do you gain leadership skills? Obviously, you can't tell everybody, go 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 to Air Force, ROTC. Um, What's your trick? Uh, so I think
2: uh, there are really two main avenues that I think about. One is really educational-type forums and then practical forums. And so when we think about education, uh, we, there's all sorts of leadership books or there's webinars or seminars you can go to. Uh, and even one-on-one training, um, getting a coach that might help you focus on your leadership skills. So there's lots of opportunities such as that. What I'm a little more excited about is actually the practical one, and I'm going to, you know, give example. Um, and there are civilian corporate world examples, but I'm going to um, share a story from my days in, in the Air Force. I've, uh, I'd been in the Air Force about four six years, and I was a captain, and had had the opportunity to go to, the, to this school. It was a about a six week long school, and one of the activities that I did at school was solely focused on leadership and stressful situations. It was called Project X. And you can even go to YouTube and, and watch a video about the Air Force's Project X. They still do it today, many years later. But it's, a, it's intended to be a high stress environment where a, a person is put in charge of a team and they have limited resources. They have a goal that they have to do, physical challenges. It's time constrained. And and practical activities like that can allow us to do that. So look for practical development happens, and that can be um, team building exercises. It can be speaking opportunities. Uh, there are all, all variety of sort of practical events where you can do
1: that. I like that, and it's almost. And I'm going to draw an analogy, which is probably a softer analogy than it should be, but it's like a tabletop exercise for a real disaster, right? Like like drill yourself, go through the motions. Anticipate the bad stuff, and eventually, if the real challenges hit and the real stress is hit, your your leadership skills are up to up to up to snuff.
2: And I think having team building activities is a great way for a leader to sort of build some of those skills. Yeah,
1: I like that. I like that a lot. How about you, Joey?
0: Yeah, I really like what Scott had mentioned. The thing I'll add is, um, you know, anyone is a leader on your team. Yes, and so you know, sometimes just allowing that individual contributor that you know, through your one-on-ones wants to get some leadership experience, let them lead the next, you know, team sync, let them lead the next project update or, um, you know, ask them, Hey, do you want to step into this, you know, maybe uncomfortable zone? I'll be there to guide you and shepherd you along the way, but it'll give you a chance to learn from some mistakes and a safe space, but also more importantly, learn from their successes. Um, the other thing uh, to Scott's point is, You know, I've learned a lot about leadership through not only my own failures, like you said earlier, Alan, like we learn best from our own failures, but I've also learned from what really frustrated me the most from previous leaders. Um, Like the decisive thing you had mentioned, there's nothing worse than having a leader that just wouldn't make a decision. And so at one point in my career, I had a leader that wouldn't make a decision. And I told myself then going forward that, okay, I need to be a decisive leader. And so you learn from that but even better is learning from previous leaders successes and what you really think was great and emulating that and seeing how you can uh, get that into your own uh leadership style and your own leadership ethos going forward um there's also great books out there courses and so forth uh some are better than others so you know pick your poison um but um but yeah i think those are some great ways to to um so to foster and, and get your team to, to um, build leadership. I like
1: it. We, we've said two things so far in this conversation. Uh, one is lead by example. Everything you do is example, right? And the other is um, you can learn from other leaders, not just from your own mistakes, but from other leaders. And it's fascinating to me how every one of us has deeply etched in our brains those moments when the leader we reported to was bad at, at leading. Like, like you will never forget your first bad leader and you will never forget your next bad leader and you will never forget any of them. I I, I had a, you know, you know, I reported to one person in one context. I'm not going to give any more detail than that. Just a leader I reported to at one point in my career, Uh, took all the credit, gave all the blame, threw their people under the bus at, at the drop of a hat. You know, like like every single one of the rules about bad leadership, you know, every one of on the lists, check every single box, just the absolute worst leader I ever reported to and the pain of that has never left me, will never leave me, and 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 cannot allow me to behave the same way with the folks who report to me. I just simply can't do it. It's just, it's indelibly etched in my brain.
2: Yeah, I, I have, I've always thought that when we're inspired by the people that lead us, our loyalty is increased immensely, and there's really no limit to what we're willing to do to help make them and the entire organization successful. And so... Good leadership has a long list of other things that are very desirable in an organization.
1: Yes, it does indeed. It does indeed. All right. Now, when it comes to leading the folks that we have, uh, we're we're all here in the cyber field in particular. And I thought about this question a little bit. One of my big tenets for hiring is that I, I like attitude and I like aptitude over the vocational aspects. In other words... You can come to me with a wealth of firewall skills, but get along with people horribly, have lousy time management, have a bad attitude, not want to do the work, et cetera, et cetera, versus the person who comes in the door with the great attitude, the great aptitude, the desire to learn, the curiosity, the drive, the willingness to work as part of a team who doesn't know all the firewall skills. I can teach that second person firewall skills pretty quickly. It's a lot harder to teach attitude and aptitude to the to the first person, right? Um so so I tend to go with attitude and aptitude over uh over those vocational skills. Scott, what's your take on that? I I'm
2: gonna go back to my first experience getting a corporate position. Um I had spent twenty-five years with a successful Air Force career, a couple of years as a government contractor after that, but I struggled getting an opportunity to move into corporate America. And finally, I got a job interview, and that particular boss was looking not for some vocational skills or business experience, but for a leader. And that connection was perfect. It is what allowed me to make that transition from government service into corporate America. Oh, I love it. It Opened amazing doors. And and actually, my second job was the same. Uh, They were really looking for a senior leader that was able to do a lot of different things. It wasn't that they were expecting, you know, a CISO to walk in the door with, you know, 20 plus years of all these technical details and could be the architect themselves. They wanted someone that could lead those people. And so I think it's important for us to remember that too, is that it's not just about finding the person who has the most skills about how to do all this technical work. Yeah. But we need people that can, Work well with others that can lead others that can work with the customer, uh, be good business partners. That is just as valuable, if not more valuable, than having a strong, broad set of technical skills. I love it. We that. still need the balance, but I really agree with the point. It's so important to have great attitude and aptitude and in and, and, and leadership.
0: I like that. Joey, what's your take? Couldn't agree more. Um, in a previous company, I, I learned a, a, a a value or a, a principle, if you will, uh, hire for values and abilities and train for skill.
1: There you go. That's a great way to put it.
0: And so I, I've, that stuck with me. And then it really resonated with me when I worked with the big four and I helped with the internship recruiting program. And we would go to you know, Texas A&M and other uh, universities in Texas. And uh, we weren't necessarily interviewing for skill. We were interviewing these uh, soon-to-be graduates of, you know, what is their values and abilities? Um, How do they respond to difficult situations? Have they ever had a difficult situation? Um, Did they show up to the interview on time, which oftentimes was a a challenge for (laughs) soon-to-be college graduates? So I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I think the problem that we have in cybersecurity, though, is that we often think that someone has to walk in the door with a ton of skills. And that might be true for mid-level positions, but I think we need to do better as leaders and understand that for, you know, almost all positions by and large, except for some, you know, some exceptions, like we really need to look at values and abilities and then take the burden upon ourselves to train for those skills. Okay. So
1: attitude and aptitude trump vocational skills, which we can train for. But does that mean we can't train attitude and aptitude? Because if we can't train attitude and aptitude, we can't train leadership. So we've caught ourselves now. How do we teach leadership? How do we, how do we improve and encourage and grow attitude and aptitude? Let's say it's somebody who's not got a horrible attitude, but maybe it's not a great attitude. How do you help lift them? How do you get them to think more about the team and the mission and those around them?
0: Um, you want to go first, Joey? That's an interesting one. It's kind of a, a catch-22, right? You know, there is this this part of uh, some people just maybe aren't right or fit for leadership. And and sometimes, you know, you got to kind of have that gut check. But by and large, and I learned this when I, I read the book, 21 Ir- Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. And what they say in the book is, is that, you know, they they argue that there's 21 laws of leadership and that just about everybody is good at a subset of those 21, but no one is good at all of them. So I think it's a combination when you think of leadership skills. I think inherently everyone has some leadership skills um, just naturally, but then you got to kind of learn the rest. And then for the ones that you can't learn because it's just not in your nature, then you surround yourself with other leaders or team members who do have those abilities. And then you formulate a team that complements one another. Um, And so that's the way I've approached it because I know I have weaknesses with regards to some leadership areas. And so I surround myself with a leadership team that compensates for those areas Um, because I know um, that, you know, I don't, I'm not, you know, maybe the best at one area and I'm just not going to be because that's just not who I am. But this other person does have that and it comes to them naturally. And so let's partner together. And so we make this amazing leadership team, or at least try to be an amazing leadership
1: team. Right on, right on. Know thyself, right? Scott, how about you? I think Joey
2: said it extremely well. I really, really liked uh, his points. Um, so I'm actually going to head a little bit a uh, different way and, and talk about, I, I think that both we individually have a responsibility to evaluate our own gaps in terms of leadership skills and build upon them. Um, And and at every point in our career, whether you're just starting out or whether you're getting in your your few years, you should always look to find where you can improve in those skills. And secondly, don't just do it on ourselves, but look at the people that work for us and help them to find their gaps and to improve upon them. Because, uh, you know, we've probably learned a lot of great lessons in our own lives, and we can help The people that work for us do that as well, and so you know through continual learning process, um, I through some of the methods that Joey talked about, I think there's a a lot of opportunity to do that, and you know a a lot of us have been in places where we've hired other people. It's always something to think about. You know, does this person have the potential to grow and be a good leader? Can I train them and give and help equip them with the skills? Uh, Really good thinking points as we go through not only to promote the people we already have, but to bring on new talent and retain them.
1: All right. So how about, how about floors wide open? Any other good leadership tips, Scott?
2: You know, I, I think the first thing I always think is, is just be yourself. If we try to be somebody else's a leader, we will inevitably not be as successful. if we would just be ourselves. I think the other two key points are, is be transparent. Um, people like, to see leaders that are the real them. Uh, They don't want to see some phony, made-up person that is just not true, and they want to see integrity in their leader. Leadership is so much about trust and trusted and generated to integrity, doing what you say, saying what you do, um, always doing the right thing. These are things that I'm sure Joe and I, I mean, just embedded from day one that we joined the military. Integrity was the number one thing that we sort of embedded in our in us.
1: That's awesome, Joey. How about you? Good good leadership tips.
0: Yeah, to pull on that thread that, that Scott just had. You know, one of my leadership values is integrity, and it means to me that I'm the same person at work as I am outside of work, and so it's not this you know fake person at work. Like I bring my my whole self to work. I'm Joey. I'm the same person. I might not use the silly voices at work that I use around my kids and my wife at work that that maybe I leave uh, at home, Um, but I'm the same person from a values perspective. So I really liked what Scott said there. Um, The other thing I would say is um, a while back, I don't know where I got it, but I heard it where if you take care of your people, your people will take care of your business or your mission or whatever it is that they're entrusted to do. So take care of your people and they will in turn take care of your business. Um, I would also encourage all leaders in any sector, but especially cybersecurity. um, If you're still using the same recruiting methodologies for the past 10 years, you need to change your game. Um, Culture has changed. There's a different workforce out there. You need to attract different talent. So I would just encourage you that as leaders, we carry the burden to adjust our methods towards the changes around us. It's not good, like others in the world isn't going to change for us. We need to change for, other, for the world around us and adapt um, and uh, be able to be more effective in that sense. And then, uh, you know, Alan, my kids wanted me to say their name on a podcast. They're really excited that I'm on a podcast. Do it. So I'm going to do a shout out to my two kids, Coralie and Cademan. They're going to really get a kick out of hearing their name on a podcast. And I also want to say thanks to my wife for supporting my career. As Scott can attest to, um, leadership comes with its sacrifices. And sometimes that means long days and long hours. And sometimes that impacts our family life. So I just want to thank my wife, Grace. Oh, that's awesome.
1: Scott, you got anyone you want to thank?
2: Well, I would be remiss if I didn't thank my wife, Carmi. Uh, she's a great partner. And uh, what Joey said is so true. Uh, there are so many demands upon us today in all parts of our life, and if it's so much easier easier to accomplish with a team at home
1: that's excellent so have have a good have a good support system, be transparent have integrity and and one thing we 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 talked on a little bit but didn't dig in too deep, which is reveling your first screw up in front of your team like like screw up because you've got a chance to show them how to deal with a screw up you've got a chance to show them what a screw up looks like and how integrity and transparency address a screw up, right? I think that one is so vital and so important. And, and, and we we skip that as leaders that, that we have to fail. Well, we have to fail, you know, with with grace and, and integrity and transparency. So that, that'll be the one little bit I add is fail well and fail publicly when you fail. <laughs> so, Excellent. That's my tip and trick. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much for coming on down to the ranch. Thank you, listeners. Y'all be good now.